can remain standing. We're so blessed to have uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Some of you might know Tiff Shuttlesworth. He's been here many, many times. He's a, a fam he's family to our house, and we've never had the privilege of meeting Jonathan yet. But we're we're really thankful that you're here today, and we're so excited. We've been praying for you all week, and um, just give him a hand this morning as he comes. Give Jesus a big, big hand clap before you're seated. How many of you already forgot to touch you all day today? Can you say amen? I want you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to preach a message today that I've never preached before. God laid it on my heart strongly flying up here to Alaska, and I know it will bless you today. Galatians chapter 6. I've never been to Alaska before. I've been to Hawaii. I saw your King's Chapel churches over there. and So I can vouch if you've never been to Hawaii and they tell you they have all these churches going on. It's not a lie. I've seen them personally. You guys are doing a great work for the Lord. And the best is yet to come. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? Good. The first one sounded like an 8 o'clock crowd. That was better the second time. Galatians 6, 9. Just one verse. The Bible says, so don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up and quit. One more time. Be not weary in well-doing. For you will reap a reward if you do not give up and quit. Can you say amen? You can be seated. I want... Uh, to share with you something that I, I think is blind to most Christians. I'm sure if anybody had a leg up on it, it would be this church because you have a good pastor and uh, they know the word. But the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, a very familiar passage of scripture, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The question is this, if Satan's will is to steal, kill, and destroy, then how come every person hasn't just been stolen from, killed, and destroyed? How come he can't just come and do anything that he wants to? Because Satan is defeated. Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says Jesus destroyed his power. We know he stripped the keys from him. So every believer, the Bible says, we have crushed him underneath our feet. Say Satan is underneath my feet. So Satan has no ability to harm a believer in himself. The Bible says the shield of faith quenches all, not some, all the fiery darts of the devil. And so the only recourse that the enemy has in his hatred of humanity and specifically in hating you is to get you to quit and be discouraged yourself. That is the trap of the enemy and the only way that he can work. Think of this before I progress in the message. The Bible says, of course, well, I just told you what the will of, of Satan is. T.L. Osborne called John 10.10, 10, the, the gospel in one verse. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, we know that's God's will. 
And if you go to a lot of churches, they, they're unstudied. They say things that aren't scriptural. So they'll say, how many of you believe if God wants to ha- it to happen, it's going to happen no matter what? Well, that's not true. The Bible says that God is willing that how many perish? None. So does that mean that no one will be in hell? Does that mean that everybody in Wasilla is saved? That there's nobody out on the street? There's nobody in the drive-thru for Starbucks right now because everybody's in the house of God lifting up praise? No. Though it's God's will for everybody to be redeemed, it does them no good what God's will is until what? Romans 10 says, until they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. Proverbs says, life and death are in the power of what? The tongue. Your tongue dictates what you believe and what you speak determines what you have. The Bible says as much as God did in sending his son Jesus Christ to die and shed his blood to redeem you from all sickness and disease, to redeem you from poverty, to redeem you from sin, it does you no good until you hear it, believe it in your heart, and then you can't keep it locked up. You have to, there has to be a time where you say, Father, I believe. You raised Jesus from the dead for me. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. And when you make that confession, my red-haired father's been up here. He was just preaching in Nicaragua and had everybody pray that prayer. There was a woman there, 68 years old, that had been born blind. They never prayed healing. She just said, prayed the sinner's prayer. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And both eyes popped open. Redemption became hers at that moment. So you can't receive what God wants until you believe it and speak it. And on the flip side, you can't receive what the devil has for you until he can get you to believe his lies and speak his lies. And the number one lie that he speaks is a lie of discouragement. He makes sure a word comes to you to get you to begin to believe his false report and then speak his false report. And as you lose that death from your tongue, that death becomes a reality. I felt God speak to me so strongly in all three services to speak on how to destroy discouragement in your life. I want you, if you have your Bible, turn again. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Now, you remember Elijah had just finished calling down fire, working one of the greatest miracles anybody had ever worked in the Bible, called fire down from heaven, killed over 800 false prophets, and delivered an entire nation in one day. And then look where he's at a few, a few verses later. 19.1, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel what Elijah had done, and that he had slaughtered the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, who was full of the devil, sent this message to Elijah. You have to understand this. The devil, Satan, has no power over you whatsoever. The only way he can destroy you, you see it all through the Bible. What did he always do? Anytime an army, before they attacked Judah or Israel, what did they do? They sent word ahead. We've destroyed all these other nations that were bigger than you, and now we're coming to destroy you too. Why would Satan, what foolish army? I mean, now America does it. We have a press conference that we're going to attack a nation at what time? So we've become foolish too. But what army in their right mind announces when they're going to attack? 
Why did the enemy have to announce to Israel that I'm sending an army to attack you? Because if he could not get the people of God afraid of what was coming, then he could not destroy them. Look what happened here. Jezebel doesn't come and kill Elijah. She sends word to him. See, may I die if by this time tomorrow I haven't killed you by myself. Look how the devil still works. Look what ISIS did, that terrorist group, when they went to the Middle East where the Christians were in Iraq. What did they do? They painted a logo on their building and said it, which and announced, if you're here by this time next week, then we're going to kill everybody. What did the Christians do? They did what Christians run, do best, run. But one day you're going to find out if you don't stand against the devil, soon you run out of places to run to. The Bible doesn't say when Satan announces he's going to attack to run. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Listen to that. Not fight the devil. Resist. If you only stand against the attack of the devil, he cannot attack. He knows he has to run. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus, every attack of the devil against your life... As faith comes into your heart to stand against those attacks, you will see the enemy flee and clear out of every area of your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, take 15 seconds, clap your hands unto God, and let him know that you know he's going to deliver you today. Can you shout hallelujah? Now, uh, here's another good example. What happened in Houston last week? You had the mayor of Houston, who's a lesbian, and soon the church is going to real see the American church. And I won't speak for Alaska and Hawaii because you guys are like on your own page, and you should be glad for that. But the lower 48, they have no understanding that life is not fun and games. Life, spiritual life, is a battlefield. You cannot coexist with the enemy. You know they think they can make peace. And just keep their mouth shut. They don't understand that this progression of immorality and teach, you know, what did it start? First, let, let gays marry. Now what does it turn to? Massachusetts and California building a third bathroom in every public school for boys and girls that haven't decided what gender they want to be. The devil will never retreat on his own. If you let him advance, he'll advance until your nation is nothing but sand and dead animals and bones like nations in the Middle East. I'm telling you, God is looking today to raise up a group of Christians in Alaska that say, as for me and my house, enough is enough. We're going to stand and see the salvation of our God. So what happened in Houston? You had a mayor subpoena all of the pastor's sermons there and say they have to turn them in. I, I watched an interview with a Vietnamese pastor who fled Vietnam by boat. He was one of the original boat people. Mike Huckabee had him on his show. He fled Vietnam for that reason. And he said, this should never happen in America. But it's going to happen in America unless we take a stand against the devil. That's what I want to fire into your spirit today. Something that doesn't say, you know, I got happy when I went to preach here and I saw there's a bottle of anointing oil at the altar instead of nine boxes of tissues. I call that the depression index. 
the number of people in the church divided by the number of tissues that are at the altar. If I see 20 tissue boxes, I know I'm in for a rough haul. It's a church that likes to cry and say, how many of you know God will help us make it one more week and we'll drag ourselves across the pearly gates one day and it'll all be worth it. But I thank God that instead of tissue boxes, there's a bottle of oil there because that shows me it's people that know if God be for me, who can be against me? I shall be anointed with fresh oil to do what God's called me to do and to be who he's called me to be. Can you say amen? And so, you know, I'm glad it happened in Houston instead of New England. Because if a mayor asked for New England pastor sermons, they would have handed them in with a box of chocolates and an apology note for causing any trouble. That's why states are different. Some places they take a stand, other places they do what they're told. And there has to be a generation of Christians in this last days that understand we've been commissioned by God to do something. And though there's an enemy that looks to keep us from doing it, we shall not be defeated if we don't give up and quit. And I tell you today, there's fresh wind from heaven coming to blow into your sails that whatever discouragement has come in, you're not only not going to leave discouraged, you're going to stand up and say, one shall put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. If God be for me, nothing can be against me. So what they, listen to what they did in Houston. Now the mayor said she never meant to take sermons. That was the lawyers acting on their own. But I saved her tweet. I looked up her Twitter account, and the morning after the controversy broke, she said, if the pastors mention this in their sermons, then their sermons are fair game. So she's backpedaling now. I mean, imagine a politician doing that. It's unprecedented. But she's doing it now. But she wanted those sermons. What did the pastors do? Thank God they were Texans. They said, we're not handing over any of our sermons. One guy said, you can have it over my dead body. What about when Senator Charles Grassley, back in 2007, targeted a bunch of well-known ministries and said, you have to turn in all your donor support. They were all going to fork it over. And then Kenneth Copeland was the only one that on his TV show said, you can, Senator, if you want my donor records, you can pry them out of my cold, dead hand. When they took a stand, Grassley went away in one day. The mayor, they never had to fight in court. She, they took a stand, and the mayor retreated. But if you do like they did in Iraq and let them paint the symbol on your property and go leave and ask people to pray for you, having people keep you in prayer is not a substitute for taking your own stand against the attack of the devil. If you let the enemy fill you with fear and run, he will take everything you have and more. But if today you rise up in faith and stand against the attack of the devil, he will not take one thing that you have in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you shout hallelujah? Absolutely. So you see that these Bible principles are real-life principles. I mean, you, you say, well, you're being hard on the people in Iraq. Yes, I am, because it doesn't have to be that way. I could show you the history of a nation like Nigeria, that when the Muslims went through the north of Nigeria, maybe I won't even get through the whole sermon. I feel like I'm just going to stay on taking a stand against the enemy. I can tell you this is a true story. In the north of Nigeria, Nigeria right now is cut in half. The north is mostly Muslim. The bottom is mostly Christian. In fact, if you haven't seen what God's doing in Lagos, Nigeria, I would strongly urge you to watch the live stream where the first Friday of every month they have what's called the Holy Ghost service. The building that they hold it in is two kilometers long by one kilometer wide, and they've outgrown it. 
So now they're building a new building that will cost $10 billion and they're paying cash for it in a place that has 40% unemployment, which shows you that just because you live in the world, you don't say what they say about the economic climate. You remember that God is your father and he owns all the silver and he owns all the gold and he knows how to take care of you. Can you say amen? So that three, well, we don't use kilometers here. So that's 1.87 miles long by 1.87 miles wide. Think of the roof, how much that would cost. And then a million chairs. Even if you get a good deal at a dollar a chair, that's a million dollars just for the chairs. See, I got a C minus in math, but even I could figure that out. They have over a million people come the first Friday of every month that who would think you'd build a building two kilometers long by one kilometer wide and it would be too small? You can never go past the level that God has for you. Higher than the highest heights. More than you can ever think, dream, or imagine. That's what God has for you. And so Satan works overtime to get your mind on low things and focus on what's against you and talk about how big Goliath is and how high the mountain is. But you are going to leave here today knowing that Jehovah is my God. Christ lives in me. And I can do all things, not some things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you believe it, can you shout amen again? Praise God. And so how did Nigeria become like it was? Because, you know, the Arabs went through the north of Africa. That's why the north of Africa is pretty much, you know, all Muslim. But it stopped at Nigeria. And without going into their whole history about how they drove the Muslims out of Nigeria, a man named Dr. Bensonita Hosa, that when he was born, there were 400 churches in that nation. And when he died, he had personally started 9,600. And he stood against the devil. I mean, when you read his story, his biography is called Fire in My Bones, or Fire in His Bones, the Bensonita Hosa story. Powerful story. He didn't say, well, we live in a Muslim country. It's very difficult here. He said, God has given me this land. And no devil in hell will take it from me. And he pushed them out. God gave him power. I know a man that was in his Bible school from the Congo, Dr. Emmanuel Sony. He told me stories about how he'd do open-air preaching in Muslim territory. And he said he was there one time where a man busted out from the crowd and shot him with a gun. And when he pulled the trigger on the gun, water came out. And it was not a squirt gun. And when the Muslims saw the water come out of the gun, he fell down on his knees and begged Dr. Itahosa to forgive him and then gave his life to Jesus Christ. And they all saw that, and that's how they did it. They didn't do it by running. They went by advancing. Can you say amen? And so I'll tell you, another, so another man that was one of his Bible college professors started a church in the north of Nigeria called, uh, I can't remember whether it was Kaduna or Abuja. But they had a, a Christian president at one point, and then the Christian president left and a Muslim president came back in and started to make things hard on the church, almost like make up for lost time. And Muslims sent word ahead to the church. See how the devil always does that? Did Goliath ever fight or did he just keep talking? I'll destroy you. Never fought. In fact, when somebody fought him, David killed him in less than five minutes. It was not some 15-round pay-per-view bout where David got a lucky shot and Goliath died. He was a terrible fighter. If you stand against the devil, 
The devil dies. Can you say amen? Well, they sent word to all the churches there in Abuja, or Kaduna, excuse me, it was Kaduna, that you have until Monday to vacate your property. And if you don't, we are coming to burn all the churches to the ground. And if you're there, we'll burn you too. Do you know what all the Christians did in that city? Do what Christians did best. Well, we're going to die. They all left. Except for the man that had gotten that impartation from Dr. Benson Hosa, who's Dr. David Oyedepo, who now has the largest church sanctuary. I watched him on live stream this morning. Uh, you can't lose listening to men that have conquered like that. Their words get into you, and they change you into a different man. Can you say amen? If you hang around your same three girlfriends or all your depressed Facebook friends talking about how hard it is to be a single mother and how hard it is in this economy, how hard it is on a fixed income, you go right down the drain. But if you listen to the word of God, that if God's hand is on me, I shall go higher and higher. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come and when I go, that nothing shall by any means harm you. Oyedepo said the Lord spoke to him as soon as that, that word got sent ahead. Notice, before people die, they get a medical report. Before, before they lose their business, a consulting firm or who, books aren't balancing, at this rate, you're going to lose the business. There's people, they have their doctor hand them a medical report. They can't read one thing on it. It's in Latin. It's figures and numbers. Well, you have this, and we think it's this. And so instead of saying, no. It's not, if somebody gave me a report like, let me tell you something. Any report that violates the word of God should be regarded as absolute garbage. When my daughter was born, I don't have my wife with me because she's, my daughter's still a little young to, to fly a long way, especially only for a couple of days. When I come back next year, I'll bring them to see the beauty of your, your state. When my daughter was born, my wife's just a little skinny Puerto Rican. And she gave birth to this huge baby, nine pounds, 14 ounces. Looked like a bowling ball with hair. Full, full head of hair. And when she came out, the first thing the nurse said, I mean, this is what you get. It's why I never go to a doctor. In fact, even on the way out of the hospital with my daughter, they said, we'll see you again. I said, no, you won't. Jesus is my healer. He's called himself the great physician. And if a great physician so great, then he doesn't need other physicians. I trust myself to him. And the more I see the crazy commercials on TV, the easier it is to trust myself to God. Every commercial is a new medication. Then the next commercial is to sue the company for the medication they made last year in case you're growing a third year, blood coming from your eyes. Those are, I mean, the real things they say. Can you say amen? I've decided to trust Jesus. How about you? And so uh, first thing the nurse said, oh, she's a big baby. She probably has diabetes. Now, do you know what I did when I heard that? I didn't say, oh, God, I cursed diabetes. No. I said, that's not possible, with a smile. I'm so loaded with the light of God's word. And he said, your seed shall be mighty on the earth. So there, that's not possible. The blood of the lamb is over the doorposts of my house. Forget diabetes. He said, no deadly disease. So forget the non-deadly ones. If he can protect me, the deadly plague will not come near your dwelling. So if somebody says something contrary to what God said, not from some person at a conference, 
in the eternal living word of God. Your children shall be mighty on the earth. I have taken all your sicknesses and all your disease. I don't care whether it's the nurse or the founder of Johns Hopkins University come back from the dead. If they say it to me, to me it sounds like a three-year-old child talking. You might as well said your daughter might be growing wings and fly away. Oh, really? Is that true? And then they check. No, she doesn't have. See, you take your stand. You take your stand verbally. You don't let it come into your heart. You speak what God said. And then the devil has no entrance whatsoever into your life. See, I don't think people believe you can live like that. I was telling uh, the youth before I left because I needed to get it into their spirit because most of them won't go back to churches like this one where they preach faith and say things that are positive out of the Word of God. You know what they would tell me coming back to Pentecostal church when I finished youth camp? I know many of you are on a mountain right now. Thank God for mountaintop experiences. But how many of you know you can't stay on the mountain? You have to go back to the valley. One day I just thought to myself, said who? I don't read that anywhere in the Bible that I have to go back to the valley. The Bible says I'll go from glory to glory, victory to victory, strength to strength. I'm telling you, listen, God has not ordained one person in this room, one person watching online for you to have ups and downs. No, the Bible says, though your beginnings are small, your latter end shall greatly increase. This is the time that God's church is ordained to win victory after victory. By the power of the Most High God. And you're one of them. Can you say amen? amen. Well, Dr. Oyedepo got the same word that they're coming to burn his church down. He didn't say, well, let's clear out. You know what he did? He said on Sunday morning, made a special announcement. Every person in this church that owns a firearm, you're to be at the church tomorrow, Monday at noon. And if you don't own a firearm, if you have a machete, bring a machete and be here at noon. He said, God has given us this church, and no devil's going to take it from us. Man, I like that. I always thought if David Oyedepo didn't pastor in Nigeria, he would do good in some redneck part of the United States. They'd love that. That church would have grown by 10,000. We're going to get to shoot people? This is awesome. Then God gave him an instruction when he was praying on Monday morning. They were coming at 3 p.m. to burn the church to the ground and kill the Christians. Dr. Oyedepo said, this is the plan God gave me. We're going to stand out front at quarter to three. Everybody that has a gun or firearm, hold it up in the air. And when they, they're going to see him coming over the hill. He said, when they come over the hill, don't fire. Wait till they pass this certain tree line. I mean, imagine getting these instructions from God as a pastor like Civil War battle plans. When they pass the tree line, everybody fire. And then he said, when you're done firing, whoever's made it, then we'll attack with the machetes. Now that's a men's meeting. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine the next Sunday they're making the announcement? We had a wonderful men's meeting. We killed 1,100 people that were trying to burn the church down. A great time was had by all. You're reading that in the bulletin? A little bit of a different kind of church service. Well, you know what happened? Just what I'm preaching on happened. The Muslims, right at 3 o'clock, like they said, came up over the hill holding torches and chanting Allah Akbar and screaming in their language, death to all infidels. They crested the hill expecting to see another vacated church because every church in that city left. 
when they crested that church, instead of seeing a vacant property or a bunch of scared Christians praying in tongues, there's a time to pray and there's a time to fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. You don't pray over a mountain. You command mountains. Do you know when you read 1 Samuel 17, David never prayed one time. When you are confronted with a devil, it's not time to pray. That's why there's deliverance churches that have six-hour deliverance sessions. Because there's somebody manifesting demonically, and they're over in the corner flinging oil around, singing songs about the blood. Oh, God. Jesus didn't say, these signs will follow them that believe. I will cast out devils. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. You shall cast out devils. I have given you authority over all the power of the devil. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? amen? Absolutely. Muslims come over the hill and see a strange sight that they have never seen. Christians with their guns up in the air and machetes up in the air, standing 3,000 shoulder to shoulder across the front of the building. And the Muslims screaming, Allah Akbar, running. When they saw that, they never made it to the tree line. They turned around and ran full speed back to wherever they came from. And Dr. Oyadepo's church was the only church that was spared during that time. God didn't spare it. He took a stand against the attack of the devil. And I'm telling you, please get this. People think, well, I don't know why God does for some and doesn't do for others. It's, no, it's not in his hands. It is in your hands and in your mouth. That same tongue and teeth and lips and cavernous space, you can use it to echo the reports of the devil and say, they said, I have this. They said, in the next five years, it'll get worse. You can repeat and have the devil on your back saying, amen. Keep saying that. Yeah, I like when you say that. Give me more glory. Or you can use that same mouth to say, Father, I thank you that I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. I thank you that you've exalted me to do great things, and I shall do great things. I shall live and not die in Jesus' name. If that sounds like you, take 20 20 seconds, clap your hands, give praise unto the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout, I will not be discouraged. Say, if God is for me, who can be against me? That man, David Oyedepo, his father in the, who now, and you see how guys like that grow. At that time, he had a church of 3,000. He now has a building the largest church sanctuary in the world, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. 52,000 seater. And they have four services now on Sunday. Now, you would think if you built a 52,000 seat building, your life's work would be done. And you would think if you built a two kilometer long one by one kilometer wide, you'd be done. But that shows you that if you will press, there is no limit to where God will take you. I will set you on high. Deuteronomy 28, if you will diligently hearken, not casually hearken, diligently hearken. Why do you think your church has so many churches all over the place? Because they don't have this modern, casual approach to God. People on the platform are dressed well, not casual. Go to some churches, people on the platform, it looks like casual Friday at a meth lab. Dirty jeans, wrinkled shirt, 
casual usher. People show up casually, give casually, obey the commands of God casually. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say if you casually hearken unto the voice of my of your God. It says if you will diligently. I was thinking about my grandfather that's in heaven now. And you know, it wouldn't just be him. I guarantee you, Dr. Morocco and Maui would be the same way. That it was one of my grandfather's son's assignment to have his shoes shined Saturday night and wait for him Sunday in a suit. You know, they took God seriously. Amen. I'm mentioning this to you because you take God seriously. You don't come to an 8 o'clock service by accident. You set an alarm and you say, I'm going to be on Sunday, which is God's roll call of who's in my house. Anybody can talk a big game and say they, they believe in God. But who's in my house? And then who is taken? What I've allowed to come through their hands and open it up and as a sign, a covenant sign that God, 10% is not yours. Everything I have, you gave me. And as a sign, I show you that I know where it came from. So in God's house, in the tithe, are signs, physical action, because faith without works is dead. Was Abraham justified by faith alone, James said? No, he was justified by his work. Anytime you see Abraham in the Bible, and the Lord spoke, and the same day Abraham departed. So unlike now. I had a guy come up to me at the end of a meeting. He was in his 50s. He said, Brother Jonathan, I was listening to you preach. I got stirred in my spirit because God called me to preach when I was 18. I said, don't worry. He probably called somebody else by now. 18 and you're in your 50s? Still waiting, wondering whether you're going to go or not? God's on the move. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? And he works with people that will go, even if you don't understand it all. There's no day that you wake up and just feel anointed. Man, I feel like I'm ready to go. You just go forward. And as you go forward, God goes with you, and he does the impossible. Parts the Red Sea, does everything to see to it that you get to your destiny. You are going to get there in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Dr. Bensonita Hosa, who was Dr. Oyedepo's father in the faith, he, uh, see, that's where he learned it from. You're going to become like who you hang around. If you become like... If you hang around defeated people that complain about their ailments, you'll have plenty of your own to complain about. You have to make up your mind, I'm going to stay with people that believe and act on the Word of God. There's people that have been touched by the fire of God that go to some church in town, and if you got them one-on-one, -on -one, they say, well, I, you know, I am a Pentecostal, but I go to church there because mother goes there. And, she likes us to go to church as a family. You're a fool to get filled with the Holy Ghost and be somewhere where they preach the word of faith and then drift off to some place where they don't believe in God because the devil will deceive you into thinking you can hang around people and still keep the fire when they're dead. You will become doubly dead yourself. At least they've never heard. For you to hear and receive and then go back like a dog returns to its vomit, you cannot maintain the fire hanging around dead people proverbs 13 says he that walks with the wise will become wise himself but the companion of fools will be destroyed who you run with means everything 
Why do you think Satan fights so hard to get you out of the company of believers? I mean, imagine, nobody's alarm went off at 6 a.m., 6.45, and your flesh felt like getting out of bed. I mean, unless you're especially nervous. <laughs> Still dark outside. Stuff to wake up when it's pitch black. But to shut that off and get here and overcome all that, because if Satan can get you isolated, what happens to the one French fry that falls out of the McDonald's box? Cold, withered, dead, can't eat it. In two minutes, you've got to throw it out the window. You have to stay with the other fries that are hot. Because if the devil can get you in your own little personal battle, by yourself, sitting in a room, posting on Facebook, he has you whipped. But when you can do what you did today and say, I'm going to be, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because you get around the company of saints and you share in their victory and you leave with a portion of faith to defeat in life's battles. Can you say amen? His father in the faith. I read these stories. I love them. I'll tell you two more against standing against the devil. When that Muslim government came back in, in Nigeria, the first law they passed was any public witnessing of any kind is forbidden in the nation. Just like they do, you know, all kinds. They don't just go kill Christians. They say it's illegal for you to share your faith publicly or make a convert. So that was the law they passed right away in Nigeria. Do you know what Dr. Bensonita Hosa did the next day? He had billboards put up all over Benin City that they were having in Reinhardt Monkey for a million uh, soul crusade. Open air. And the pastor said, that, you know, it's punishable by death. They asked Dr. Itahosa, did the Lord speak to you to do that? He said, no. But if Satan tells you not to do something, then I automatically know what to do. If he said no public witnessing, then I knew it was time to have the biggest public outreach that the nation had ever had. I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus that whatever Satan told you you're not going to do, you will fly high in that area for the rest of your life. For the devil is a liar and God's word is true. If you receive it, clap your hands, shout one more time in King's Chapel. Let God know that you believe his word. Shout hallelujah. Man, I like this worship team. Stand all along the back and shout and lift their hands. I'm sad I'm only here for one day. Usually they go to the back room and drink grape juice and, and uh, have French cheeses until the next service. I like you guys. You love God. What a great church. If you're happy to be in God's house, let him hear you today. One more time. Clap your hands in worship. Thank him that you're not going home the way that you came. Can you say Amen. Can you shout amen? amen? That's when Bonky came in and tore through Nigeria. Do you know back down in the south of Nigeria, taking that stand against the devil, which Islam and the devil are the same? It's a demon spirit that backs Islam. It's a spirit of violence. I mean, when they don't have anybody left to kill, they kill each other. Break into factions, Sunni and Shi'i, you know, all attack. You have Al-Qaeda that was the biggest enemy, then one rises up past them that Al-Qaeda says is too extreme. And then now our strategy is to arm other Muslims to defeat them. Well, if they become stronger than ISIS, then we'll now have a group that's stronger than ISIS. Use your head. Can you say amen? So if you are waiting on the government to get things right, you're going to grow old 
and be defeated the entire time you age. If you understand that God has placed everything that pertains to life and godliness, for your life and godliness, in the Holy Ghost and in the Word, and you can, don't take a casual approach if you will diligently hearken under my word and my commands and do all I've commanded you to do. Then I will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now take that literally. There's people right now that command more influence and wealth than entire nations. Who do you think has more wealth and influence in this world? Mark Zuckerberg that founded Facebook or the president of Namibia? So there's already single men who command more wealth and power than nations that don't even have the Holy Ghost. So where can you go if you will take the Abrahamic approach? He was not casual. Said, said to the king of Sodom, I won't take so much as a shoe latchet from the king of Sodom unless you say you made me rich. And then to Melchizedek he went and paid tithes of all. He was a God-addicted giver, lover of God, hard worker, had a word from God that I will make you rich. And then he just sit and say, well, the Lord spoke and said he'll make me rich. He went to work immediately cattle ranching. God gave him ideas to dig wells. If you study that history, nobody dug wells. They led their cattle around for water, which made their two disadvantages. Made their cattle skinny from walking all day. Number two, if anybody wanted to buy their cows, they didn't know where they went. They just said, oh, I know he went east three days ago. Abraham dug wells, two advantages. His cows got fat because they didn't have to walk around all day. When there was a, 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 a famine or a drought, there was still irrigation for his land. So he didn't suffer what the world suffered. Number two, anybody that wanted to buy from Abraham, they knew right where his cattle ranch was and he was always there. And the Philistines envied him. You were not ordained by God to be pitied by your church or be pitied by this world. You are ordained by God for the world to envy you. To say, how do you live in Alaska like I live in Alaska? But when things go down for me, they go up and up for you. That is your portion for the rest of this year in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. I'll tell you one more from uh, Itahosa. That church that God told him to build in Benin City was up to 17,000 seats, which was the biggest in the country at the time. And that, when that Muslim government got into power, it was built right by the airport. God told them the land to build it on. And uh, the government said, we're going to invoke eminent domain and expand the airport. And they decided to expand it of all the directions they could to where his property was, to take his building. When they sent word, he said on his TV show that Sunday, the government that tries to take my land will fall before my church does. So he backed them down. Everybody say, back the enemy down. Say, with my words. See, why people don't experience that is they've, instead of speaking faith, they've substituted asking people to keep them in prayer. Keep me in prayer. I'm going, they will pray for you. Let me tell you, somebody, I know I look young, and I'll look younger. You know, I use facial moisturizers, and I shower and get haircuts so I look young. I'm not planning on looking old and worn out. But though I'm young, I've been doing this for 13 years, and then my dad's been doing it for 36. I've been around church people my whole life. The same people that need prayer this year need prayer next year. You come back because you have to learn 
to fight well in the Lord's battles. Having people keep you in prayer is not a substitute for you learning how to speak to your own mountain. God will not speak to your mountain for you. Other people are never anointed to speak to your mountain. Your house is your house. Your marriage is your marriage. Your children are your children. You are the high priest of that home. And in that office, you have to learn to plant your feet, not walk around like the third guy from the left on the evolution chart. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You have to learn whether you feel like it or not. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So you don't go by how you feel. I had a young man in Texas come up to me. I've been praying, and I, I don't feel like God hears me. Who cares whether you feel like he heard you or not? The Bible says we have this confidence, 1 John 5. If we ask anything in line with his will, salvation of my children is in line with his will. Healing for my body and their bodies is in line with his will. Prosperity is in line with his will. If I ask anything in line with his will and he hears us, if he hears us, he has answered us. I don't care whether I feel like it or not. The Bible says if I ask, ask anything in my name and I will give it you. That your joy may be full. Anything stealing your joy. When you ask God about it, when he hears you, he defeats whatever's sent from the enemy to take your joy. Whatever has been sent from the enemy to take your joy, it is destroyed today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you get led around by your feelings, you're going to be in trouble. You know, sometimes I just wonder whether God heard me. Quit listening to the devil. And read the Bible. I've been praying and praying and praying. I don't know who you're praying to looking like that. Like you got baptized in pickle juice. I'm hanging in. Then you go to some churches, even that preach strong and have good faith. It's always hang in there. God's going to come through. He may not come through when you want him. As if God, do you think, listen to me, before you leave the 8 o'clock service. Do you think the God who instructed us, is God a hypocrite? No. So if he told us, if your neighbor asks you for help and it's in your power to help them, do not tell them to come back tomorrow. Help them today. Do you think the God that told us to do that would tell us to come back tomorrow? What did the Bible say in Luke 18? When the widow came and knocked at the judge's door, he said, being an evil man, I fear neither God nor man, but this woman is driving me crazy. I will surely give her justice. Then Jesus said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. If even he rendered a just decision, how much more will your heavenly father give justice? I tell you, he will do it speedily to them that ask. You are leaving today with your answer never to be the same again. If you believe it, one more time, clap those hands under God because you already have the victory. Shout, I have the victory. Hallelujah. The government that tries to take my church will fall before my church does. So they tried to make a deal with them. That's the next thing the devil does. If you stand against them, step two is to get you to compromise. All through the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they won't bow, 
The king doesn't kill them. He calls them in. I'll give you one more chance. Because if you won't quit yourself, he can't stop you. No, king. We know our God's able to deliver us, but just so you know, whether he does or not, I will never bow to your gods. Jesus was already waiting for him in the fire. They say he was the fourth man in, but if he was the fourth man in, it had been a little late for him. He had to be there first. Can you say amen? That means when you take your stand against the enemy, Jesus is already standing there in the consequences for what you're doing, making sure they will never harm you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. And he lives on the inside of me. And he lives on the inside of you. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are yet to come. You're going to have the best week you've ever had. I pray in the name of Jesus from now until Christmas, you see more breakthroughs in these three months than you have in the last two years. I pray for every tear that the devil's made you cry. You laugh five times. The only tears, I tell you in Jesus' name, the only tears that you cry from this day forward are tears of joy with your hands lifted, saying the Lord has done great things for me. Come on up, musicians. Hallelujah. Praise God for good musicians. I preach like this some places. They play something sounds like Beethoven's fifth concerto if Beethoven had suicidal thoughts. I'll preach on joy for an hour and a half. Somebody goes, bam, bam, bam. The Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Can you say amen? Hey, before you go up there, come over here, lift both hands. I declare an end to all your struggles in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and lift both hands. Come on. In the name of Jesus. For did I not say weeping may endure for a night? One night. So anything that's overstayed one night in your life has overstated scripture. There's no long plagues that God allows. Plagues of long continuance are specifically listed in Deuteronomy 28 as part of the curse. Weeping may endure for one night. But joy comes in the morning. So receive your joy now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You are not allowed to leave here battling the same thing you came with. It is destroyed today because of the anointing, because of the word, because of the victory that Christ has already won for you. Stand up on your feet. Bless the Lord. So they made a deal with them. We'll give you a million British pounds if you give us your building, which in Nigeria was like, you know, a fortune nobody had heard of, especially no minister. He said no. So they finally backed down, moved the airport in the other direction, which to do so they had to buy two apartment complexes and pay out 10 million pounds to all the residents that lived in the apartment complexes so that they could relocate. Every member, every person that lived in that apartment complex was a tithing member of his church. 
So he kept the building and got the million pounds. I tell you in the name of Jesus, whatever threat that the enemy's made against you, your children, your family, your health, not only will he not take it, as you take your stand, you'll keep that thing, plus the devil will have to cough up everything that he stole and double in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and sing whatever's on your heart. Let's lift up Jesus today. today before your presence came and changed me yes I won't go back I can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and changed me I won't go back I won't go back I can't go everything that's in you, sing it. Yes, I won't go back. I can't go back to the way you used to be before your presence came and changed me. I want this lady with the blonde hair in the back section there. Nice sweater. If you'd come forward, then I'll pray for everybody generally. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I have this, this man in the nice flannel button-up shirt. You guys can stand shoulder to shoulder. Everybody say this, I'm not like everybody else. So my life won't be like everyone else's. So what they say, you know, if you want to listen to Dr. Oz and what is a part of hitting 50 years old, and then you receive, well, you know, go to the bathroom more when you wake. You know, keep, keep speaking. He's, he's not saved. He doesn't have what we have. I don't care what he says I can eat and can't eat. I'll eat what I want and pray before I eat it. And I'll fast at least once a week and clear my organs out doing it that way. Have some pagan doctor tell me what I can expect for my health. No. Jesus paid too high a price. For me to have a curved posture. You watch if they ever have me come back here when I'm in my 80s. You'll say, I saw him preach one time when he, you'll tell your great-grandchild. I saw him preach one time when he was in his 30s. I don't know what got into him now. He was much calmer then. He's very strong now. Because the Bible says when Moses, the last thing God gave him to do before he died was come meet him at Mount Nebo, which was a 3,000 foot high mountain. You can't climb that with a walker with two tennis balls on the front. You think of that, at 120, Abraham having a son at 100 and raising a five-year-old boy at 105. And you think you're old because you're 60. Look at what our fathers in the faith had. And listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 11, 11, of all those in the Old Testament, none was greater than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. That means what I read any of them have, I can have more. Can you say Amen. When I see Moses strong and his eyes not dim at 120, I know that's my portion. When I see Abraham leading people out into battle at 110, 115, buying property, taking possession, then I know I'm not going to be sitting in a chair one day and someone have to say, how are you, Brother Shuttlesworth? Family says you're well. No, nope, not me. 
The Bible says part of God's plan is to give you a hope and a future. Listen, an expected end so I can know how things are going to work out for me. How many of you know we could all die at any time? Speak for yourself. With long life will he satisfy me. And 34 wasn't long in the Middle Ages when the bubonic plague was going around, so certainly I can live now. I want both of you to lift your hands. I know you come from different families, but I want to tell you, God's going to reward your faith today, and that's what you're going to get, a difference between you and the other people you know. As you age, you're not going to lose strength. You're going to gain strength, and you're going to take your greatest victories for God. And I tell you, you look very healthy to look at you. I, you know, if me and you were in a fight, I would bet on you. But I'm going to pray that God's going to rejuvenate your body and put physical vitality back in you. Strength like you had when you were a young man, and it'll grow and grow. You'll be a type of like Abraham and Moses. Like, man, he's how old? I just saw him the other day doing stuff that young guys can. That's what God's going to give you because you believe the stuff I preach. When I lay my hands on you from your head to your feet, through your eyes, your blood, in the name of Jesus Christ. Just lift your hands all over the auditorium. Everybody that's watching online, lift your hands. A lot of people watching in the mainland, if you're driving in your car, steer with your knees and lift both hands unto God. You can keep one eye open. Father, I thank you for all these men and women in this early service. I thank you for what you've done for them. I thank you that the cloud of discouragement, despair, that it's all rolled back today, that all the weariness, Everybody that came in here weary and heavy laden. Jesus, you said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And not I'll hug you and put my, you said, I'll take that burden and I'll replace it with my yoke. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I lose that great anointing on all those that are here today. In Jesus' name. This lady here, young lady right in front of me, come right and stand over here as quick as you can. Yep. In Jesus' name. I want you to put one hand where your heart and lungs are and then lift your other hand to the Lord. You've done well recently, says the Lord. You've come up onto his path. You've done everything he's asked you to do. Anything that would cause you health problems from your past life, heart and lungs, God's going to heal it right now. Every unclean thing in the lungs comes out and God's going to give you like strength in your heart in Jesus name any damaged tissue from years before you there it is in Jesus name thank you father in Jesus name you can stand thank you for it and I lose long life and I command every unclean cell in your life out in Jesus name and be refreshed this day for the Lord's well pleased in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. This lady here, step out into the aisle real quick. It's you. Just keep your hand where you have it. Lift your other one up to the Lord. What you called on God for yourself. Take it now. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Before I give this invitation. We have a 6 o'clock service tonight, which is going to be a miracle service. I'm going to minister to, of course, you know, time's limited Sunday morning, but Sunday night, 
I'm gonna, I'll have time to minister to everybody. I want you not only to come, but bring people that you know uh, could use God to set them free like he did today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. You can't access one thing that I preached on today unless you're born again. Everything I talked about was about faith and the blessing of Abraham. Those only come to those that are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or if you once did, but in the pressures of life, you got disconnected, you're not living like you should, but you know you need to come back to the Lord today. If that's you and you say, Jonathan, that's me, I want to come back to the Lord, and I want to do it today, and get on the right path and never turn back, then I'm going to pray with you. If you say, Jonathan, that's me, let me see your hand up high, in Jesus' name. Good. I'm glad everybody's saved. I thought so. But just in case I wasn't 100%, I wanted to give you the chance. I want You can look back up at me. What a great service we've had already. And it's only going to get better from here. I look forward to seeing you again at 6 o'clock. It's an honor to minister the gospel. First church I've ever preached at in Alaska, so I'll never forget you. And I love you in Jesus' name. Pray you have the best afternoon you've ever had. I pray you order some food at a restaurant that would make Dr. Oz cry just to stick it in his face. Amen. I love you in Jesus' name. Give Jesus one more mighty hand clap. See you tonight at 6. Take someone by the hand. Oh, actually, before we do that, we want to give an offering. We want to... I just want to encourage you all, uh, ask the Lord what he would have you give this morning. And ushers, if you could come and just raise your hand and get an envelope. I am so encouraged. Are, did you all get encouraged in the Lord this morning? Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Are you all ready to give this morning? I'm uh, Brother Cliff. Could you bring one up to me after you get it done with everybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for, the, for your word that has gone forth in power and broken the rocks of, of unbelief and discouragement, God, to pieces. And we thank you, Lord, for Brother Jonathan, Lord, for his family. We thank you that you're using him all over to, to bring strength and encouragement and fire to people, <laughs> the fire of your word. And, Lord, we ask this morning that you would uh, just prosper the works of his hands and bless your people as they give in Jesus name amen go ahead ushers God, we're going to close service now because uh, just about to start the other one. So if you could just take someone by the hand.
as we close today. Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, I ask that you would bless them, keep them, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance toward them, be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace in the most awesome name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. See you tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't forget, bring people that need healing and encouragement and salvation and deliverance. Amen. God bless you.